At the age of 64, he is still going strong. His day begins with rigorous physical exercises. Target shooting is still his favourite pastime, and his steely blue eyes are still deadly accurate when looking through the gun sight. When the United States became entangled in the Vietnam conflict, Hans-Josef Wagemüller offered his experience to the American High Command in a long letter that remained unanswered. I probably made a mistake by having written a somewhat haughty and, in a way, maybe a bit lecturing letter, he said. But our own long and unbroken record of victories against the same enemy in the same land was still fresh in my memory, and the unnecessary death of every American soldier, every debacle that could have been avoided, hurt me deeply. I could not think of the Vietnam War in any way except that it was my own war. Those G.I.s scouted the same jungle trails where we had trekked for many years. Many of them had to die where we survived. Somehow it was an inner compulsion to regard them as comrades in arms. And you know what? I'm not surprised that young Americans are tearing up their draft cards and refusing to go to Vietnam. To take young college boys out of their super-civilized surroundings and cast them into the primitive jungles of Asia is nothing but murder. Sheer murder. Only experts, highly skilled and experienced anti-guerrilla fighters, can survive in the jungles of Asia. It takes at least a year of constant fighting before a recruit turns into an expert. After that evening together, which left me shaken and sleepless for the rest of the night, I asked Wagemüller if he would tell me his entire story. He obliged by talking into the microphone of a tape recorder for 18 consecutive days. I have merely altered some of his technical military phraseology for the sake of better understanding. This is a true telling with nothing essentially changed except the names. Wagemüller obliged me to keep his true identity, as well as that of all the others, undisclosed. I am requesting this not because of my being a war criminal. I have told you the true story. I can give you my word of honour on it. I still consider myself a German officer, and a German officer will keep his word of honour, no matter what. But I have an 87-year-old mother, whom I would never expose to endless inquiries by the authorities and by the press. And there are certain people mentioned in my story who are still living in my hometown near the Swiss frontier, and who helped many other fugitive German officers to avoid prison and prosecution after the war. I do not know who the other fugitives may have been, but what I do know is that there were close to 2,000 comrades in distress who left Germany the way I did in 1945. The escape route was extremely well organised, and it is quite possible that some important Nazis used it too. Another important consideration is that I should not embarrass certain high officials of my adopted country, who have been helping me ever since my arrival here. Besides, he added with a smile, I was not very popular with the Chinese People's Army, and China is not very far from here. He wants his share of the author's royalty to go to the widows and orphans of those Americans who fell in Vietnam. I have all I need for the rest of my life. I want no money, only justice to German officers and soldiers who were correct to the core, yet had to share the disgrace of a few and I want to show the enemy stripped of its mask of gallantry and heroic myth. I have refrained from adding any comment of my own. 
It is up to you to form your own judgment, as it is up to history to pass the final mandate upon him, his companions, and their deeds. George Robert Elford, 1971 Foreword I have seen many deadly landscapes, from the Pripyat swamps in Russia to the jungles of Vietnam. Unfortunately, most of what I saw was seen only through a gun sight, with no time to enjoy the scenery. I was a Kopfjäger, headhunter, as our comrades of the Wehrmacht used to call us. We were a special task force of the Waffen-SS, the Fighting SS, which had nothing to do with concentration camps, deportations, or the extermination of European Jewry. Personally, I never believed that the Jews could or ever would become a menace to Germany, and I hated no people, not even the enemy. I never believed in German domination of the world, but I did believe that Germany needed Lebensraum. It was also my conviction that communism should be destroyed while still in its cradle. If my belief